Inspiring stories, practical applications. Doing ministry well. If you found this podcast valuable and are looking for an easy way to support us, you can help us out by claiming your free audiobook and one-month free trial at audibletrial.com slash doingministrywell. That's audibletrial.com slash doingministrywell. All right. Hello, everyone, and thank you for checking into another episode of Doing Ministry Well. We are in Clarksville, Tennessee today. It is super rainy. Not super rainy, but it's gray and not very sunny and not very fun. It's been a strange, uh, strange season here been warm one day and then really cold the next and so that's not much fun but anyway we are joined today by Brooke Gaiman. Brooke thanks so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Brooke I met you in 2007 I think spring of 2007. Tim Lease was in your DTS that you were staffing was that your first DTS that you staffed? That was... Yeah, that was the first DTS I staffed. Okay, did you, uh, so we're, we're talking about YWAM Nashville here. Uh, did you do your DTS at YWAM Nashville? I did. What uh, what year was that? That was 2005. 2005, okay. So, so actually, um, that, uh, that, that DTS that you're talking about was in 2006. Okay, 2006. Yeah. All right. So yeah, a couple years after mine, I was good friends with Tim Lease, and uh, I came down and visited him when there was some stuff going on there, and so that's how I met you. And then since then, we've been working together recently. Um, Jonathan Oliphant's been running the Kentucky Red Schools, which is something that I'm involved with, and we've had you out to speak in a couple of those, teaching on the Father Heart of God, um, which has been awesome. I absolutely love your teaching. Um, you do it from a pottery wheel, which I think is the coolest <laughs> thing ever. It's just a great uh, visual um, aid to that teaching as well. And I love that that's something that you do and, you know, can share the Father heart of God through that as well. But, um, yeah, tell me a little bit about how long you've been in ministry and, uh, yeah, what, what you're doing right now. <clears throat> how long have I been in ministry? That's a great question. Um I've actually, this is something that I've been actually thinking about uh, quite a bit lately because we're kind of in this uh, interesting season. Huh. Um, we can probably get into that a little, little bit later. But um, so, I mean, I guess I would have to say uh, it's been around 24 years. Um, actually, probably a little longer than that, but. Um, my, my wife, Dana and I got married in April of 1993. So we're coming up on, on 24 years. Nice. Yeah. And, um, so ministry started when you got married. Is that what you're saying? Well, see, that's why I said it's, it's kind of hard to say because I'm, I'm actually, uh, part of this, this season that, that, that I mentioned, um, I'm, I'm also, uh, I've been taking a, a good look at what what does that word e- even mean yeah, you know? yeah and so um but yeah i I'd, I'd have to say that it it actually started um well before that um and probably uh i i would say that when i was when i was in high school i wouldn't have thought of myself in in terms like this but i was even even back then i was walking in this uh pastoral gifting uh-huh. uh that like i said i i wouldn't have 
I wouldn't have called myself that. I wouldn't have thought of myself in, in those terms. But, um, and then when, when Dane and I got married, uh, it just kind of, it was this natural progression where, uh, we, we had moved out to this little town out in Kansas where I was, uh, apprenticing with a, a couple that makes pottery. And, uh, we started going to this, to this little church out there that they didn't have any kind of program or activities for, for their youth. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't have a, a youth group. Um, they had some young people, but there was no youth group. And Dana and I just kind of uh, naturally stepped into to that role. It wasn't anything that we um, like sought after. It wasn't anything that, that we were like, hey, let's plan this thing. But we just kind of walked into it and uh, kind of created this, this youth group there. And from that point... Uh, we've been working with young people pretty much ever ever since and have several of them in our home <laughs> now but um but yeah i think we we've always we've always said that it's kept us kept us young <laughs> i i don't feel i'm I, i'm 44 but i do not feel like a 44 year old hmm. um you don't look 44. <laughs> In fact, uh, the the end of this month, I'm going to be 45. <laughs> I don't know why, but that just sounds so so much older than 44. So. Hmm. You have, you said you had quite a few young people at yeah. home. How many children do you have? We have six children. Six children. Yeah, and our um, we we had four children before we moved to t- Tennessee in 2005. Um, and then we had two more. And so our youngest of our oldest four just turned 18 on Saturday. And so that's kind of a milestone for us as well. We're, you know, for eight years she was our baby and now she's 18. And right. we're, we're like, wow, how did this happen? So, yeah. And we have, we have another young lady uh, living with us. Um, and prior to that, um, there was a young lady who had done a DTS, uh, a, a discipleship training school with YWAM Nashville, um, in 2009. And after that, she, um, she started living with us and we kind of, uh, unofficially, uh, adopted her oh. and she lived with our family for five years. Um, and now she's married and they, they had a little girl, like, nine months ago and uh so dana and i are grandparents (laughs) that's weird yeah um yeah yeah, so so like i said i think i feel like um that's kind of kept us young and kept us uh it just it's it's really it's it's energizing being Mm. around young people yeah energizing and exhausting at the same time yes <laughs> exactly you mentioned kind of the season you're in a season of transition tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now all right um well <clears throat> i'll back up a little bit because uh so i mentioned when when we got married um we moved to this little town in kansas called elk falls um where i apprenticed with with a a couple who makes pottery and 
So for about four years, we were living there, and I was learning all kinds of cool stuff from Steve and Jane Fry. And we um, uh, then we moved from there to uh, to the state of Delaware, where I actually was born and, and raised. Um, and anyway, through a series of, of events, we ended up um, then li living in Pennsylvania, but then uh, after six years of being in Pennsylvania, we, we moved to the great m metropolis of Adams, mm -hmm. Tennessee. Yeah, and so, um, so it's kind of interesting how how God brought us into that season because we had been working with a youth group in in Pennsylvania, and while we were there, uh, God was just stirring up a lot of things in in our hearts. He kept speaking the word uh, discipleship to right. us, and we didn't really know what He meant by that. Like we we kind of thought wasn't well, that kind of what what we're doing already. But um, it was around that time also that I was invited to go with a, a group of, of people who were taking a trip to N Nepal. And I had never been out of the country. Mm -hmm. Well, Canada, but does that count? Uh, maybe. <laughs> so, sorry if there's any Canadians listening. Um, so uh, after just really praying about it... Um, I realized that I, I had a lot of, there was a lot of fear involved. And most of the fear was because I knew that it was going to be like this life-transforming experience. Hmm. But Dana wasn't coming on that trip. And I didn't, like, I didn't want this life-changing experience without her. Sure. And so, anyway, after praying about it, we really felt like, like God wanted me to, to go on this trip. And... Uh, lo and behold, the couple who was le leading this team just the year before, I think they had done a crossroads DTS in, in Kona. Okay. And so I had heard about YWAM before that, but um, I hadn't really, like, I didn't really know a lot of people who had been involved in, in YWAM. I didn't really know a whole lot about it. Um, but these guys were just talking about YWAM the, the whole time and mm -hmm. their their outreach in their DTS had been to N Nepal so they you know it was kind of fresh for them and we so we were there and yeah it, it completely wrecked me i was i was like for, forever changed um from that experience but the cool thing was coming back um uh here, God had been stirring some things up in, in Dana as well and speaking some things to her that it, we were like both on the same page. Mm. Um, so that, that was so cool. And just showing the faithfulness of God, you know, I had all this fear and I realize now looking back, it was because I had some trust issues, like um, just really questioning his character really like mm. are you really able to to um speak the same things to to both of us when we're like half a world apart mm. which now looking on us I, I feel like that's <laughs> silly but so um so that kind of <clears throat> excuse me that that got us 
thinking towards um, just this whole di discipleship thing again. And a couple months after I returned from that trip, we got visited by a guy named Wayne Groff. You might recognize that name. And, Do you know Wayne Groff? And uh, here he he grew up in the like in the next town over from where we were living in, in in Pennsylvania, and he knew our pastor and he had called and asked if he could come talk to our youth group about about YWAM. And so our pastor was like, well, let me get you in contact with this guy I know. <laughs> so Dana and I met with him, and we had our youth group meet with him. And the whole time he's talking, Dana and I just have this stirring, like this is what this is what God's been preparing us for. Hmm. So we we packed up our four children at the time and in our little minivan, and we moved to Tennessee. And we have been here since then, and we've been working with YWAM Nashville, and we've been actually leading discipleship training schools and some of their secondary schools as well. And um, it's just been it's been really good and really rich. And in fact, there was a, a time when I thought um, I could do this for for the rest of my life. And in fact, I was planning on it. I thought this is going to be our our lives from here on out. And then, um, so during this time that we've been at YWAM Nashville, periodically I would wake up from these really vivid dreams um, where I would be back in, in Elk Falls, Kansas, back working with S Steve and Jane Fry, uh, working in clay, and I'd wake up from these dreams and it just, there was like this aching. Hmm. And, and I thought, man, what what what's this about like i didn't know what it was about but i i really there was something there that that i missed so much and so in the past several years um god's just really been putting on our hearts to get back into pottery and I, the whole time i'm thinking all right well that's great but uh i don't really have a place to do it and plus um kind of busy like <laughs> leading school <laughs> yeah leading yeah. school like absolutely zero room for right. anything else right and so um during all those years I, I hadn't gotten rid of my my potter's wheel so i still had that and one day i just i set it up in in a room in our house and started uh making some stuff on the wheel again and it was it was pretty cool but i didn't have any way to fire it i like there was that that was as far as it went and then um it was about two years ago uh right around this this time it was it was like the middle of january two years ago <clears throat> one of these rare uh spring-like days <laughs> in january yeah. I, I'm like we we haven't experienced that here in Tennessee, right? But, um, and Dana and I just we went outside and we felt like God's been stirring this pottery thing up in our hearts, and we went outside and and started kind of dreaming w with God, and we felt like He told us um, that we were supposed to to build a shop back behind our house, um, and so 
again, we're like, all right, God, that sounds great, but we don't have any, any way to actually do this. But we felt like we were supposed to start taking some practical steps towards that. And so the one thing we could do was, like, um, back behind our house, we have this, this area that is just totally o- overgrown. It, it, was, it was like a jungle back there. So we just started cutting down the tall grass and stuff, and, and we mowed out this area, and we said, this is where our shop's going to be someday. And we've kept it mowed ever since. There's still no shop there, but, but, but we're keeping it mowed. And, but we do have a shed there out back now that has our kiln. So, um, so flat, flash forward to current times. Um, now we are actually making pottery again full time. And it's been, well, I'd say probably from from the time we were living in Kansas, the first four years of our of our marriage, it's been that long since since I've been doing this full time. Because everywhere else we've lived, I've been doing other things part time. Like in Pennsylvania, I was um, I was the assistant pastor at our church and, and the youth group leader. So, you know, that took a lot of time. So so the pottery has always kind of been this part time, even though it was supposedly our our full-time work you know um it was this part-time thing and then we took this uh 12-year hiatus basically from pottery and but when i started getting back into it um i haven't had one of those dreams since then Hmm. it was like god just was using those dreams to stir this like his dreams up Hmm. in in me um and uh, even after not, I mean, I, 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 would, I would get out clay once in a while, but basically for 12 years, having not really touched it, I'm, I'm actually making, like my pottery now compared to before is actually a lot better. Hmm. And so it just feels like God's favor is all over it. But going back to, you know, when you ask me how long have I been in, in, in ministry, um, I'm, I'm realizing, I'm beginning to realize that I've had this idea of what ministry is, and God is, like, breaking all of those molds for me. And so I'm kind of in this season of, what is this even supposed to look like, you yeah. know? Yeah, that's good. I, I really want to jump into the pottery topic because I'm excited to hear what you have to say. But you mentioned something when you were talking about that initial trip to Nepal and how it, it wrecked you, it changed your mm-hmm. life. Um, what about that trip? How long were you there? And what about that trip really was a transforming time in your life? I was only there for about two weeks. Um, I mean, everything. Uh from from the moment we we got off of the plane, um, I for one thing I had never been in in a place that was so Im- impoverished, mm. and so just being surrounded by such poverty and such need, it was like oh it, it was it was overwhelming. Mm. Um, so I think that was that was a big part of it. But also um, we were. We were actually um, traveling around to different villages um, 
to encourage the uh, the b b believers there. And so that was really cool getting to meet um, Christians because, uh, I mean, it's it's changed a lot even since then. But um, you know, there was almost zero Christian presence hmm. in in that in that nation, and but even that had changed so drastically from just a few years before that. Hmm. And so to see these these uh, followers of Jesus who. Um, they were walking, I don't know how many miles, and, and I'm, I'm not talking like a, a nice little walk around Dunbar Cave. Right, right. I'm talking rugged mountain t terrain, and they are walking miles one way just to gather together. Um, and and this, this particular time, they were coming to see our team and to... So, so like we were supposed to be like encouraging them, but, and I'm sure you, you can testify to this. I, f I left that time feeling like I was the one who was encouraged right. and who was blessed. Um, but it just co totally transformed my, my whole frame of reference. And I, I would have liked to think up to that point that, um, that I wasn't a real self-centered person. But um, just seeing how little they had, and yet the joy right. that they had, and I just I was like, oh my goodness, I I am the chief of all self-centered people. <laughs> so yeah, that that was a big a big part of it too. Yeah, it's interesting that it seems like there's some pushback against short-term missions. People, you mm -hmm. know, you see blogs here and there that say it's worthless or whatever but it is it, until you go and see another nation that is being affected by jesus yeah. you know in in dire circumstances it is you, you that's not something that translates people can come and tell a story about that but mm -hmm. actually being there seeing it with your own eyes is absolutely transforming and just yeah to see the dedication and the hope of believers that yeah. have have nothing is is pretty humbling and inspiring at the yeah. same time so Listeners, if you haven't gone on a short-term <laughs> missions trip, do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about pottery a little bit. Um, pottery is so interesting because I feel like our day-to-day -day life is pretty disconnected from pottery. We've got plastic, right? Tupperware. <laughs> Tupperware yep. is the pottery of 2017, I suppose. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much you know about the the history of pottery i remember uh in some of our bible classes you know they pass around pieces of pottery mm -hmm. and and we're excited to show us you know if it has a handle then you can tell it comes from this time yeah, period yeah. you know um so yeah just talk about kind of the history of, of pottery and, and <coughs> what you know about that share share with us those things cool um yeah well i i definitely don't consider myself uh an expert on on the history of pottery but i do know that it is it's one of the oldest art forms hmm. um and it always intrigues me when when i stop and think about who was it that first figured out hey i can take this sticky stuff hmm. from the ground right. and i can make something out of it and then put it in a fire so that it will uh get get to a state where you can actually put water or food in it like 
it just it blows my mind and um i i'm still i'm i'm in awe of people who um people are like really get into the the chemistry of like the glazes and and, and all um i i consider myself like if i could just sit at the wheel and just make stuff all all, all day that that would be awesome but you know i i have to learn about the the other uh areas of of pottery such as glazing um and stuff and so i'm still learning about a lot of that kind of that that aspect of it um but the cool thing is that now as opposed to uh you know 2005 when when i was in it full-time before um there are so many more resources online Mm -hmm. like there are all these uh different facebook groups for for potters and I've also noticed, and th- this was true even when we were making pottery be- before, when we would go to different craft shows and, and, and stuff, um, and, and we would meet these other potters. And it, this has been our experience anyway. Um, potters seem to be just the most gracious and generous artists that, that, that I've ever met. Like we've we would see other artists and and I won't even talk about uh you know what what their their medium was because I, I don't want to step on any toes but some of the other artists at these shows would it, it seemed like they were in competition with mm-hmm. the other artists there but with the Potters it's like they they're just always so generous like with their with their glaze re- recipes for example. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a really cool thing to to see again um, as we've been getting into it uh, again. But also, I, I'd say um, historically speaking, uh, the thing I find most intriguing about pottery is that um, we see in, in in the account of creation where God speaks the the universe into existence like with a single word everything come comes to to being and yet um when it comes to creating us when it comes to creating mankind in his image he gets his hands dirty so so to speak and that to me is like the first reference of of god being our potter because he he forms the man out of the dust of the ground and so in in my mind i'm seeing like i don't know what god's hands look like but i'm I'm seeing his hands like forming this man out of clay and then the really cool thing he breathes his breath into this clay model and it becomes you know oh boy i'm a real boy you know like except he is not just a this clay puppet, but he becomes an extension of of the creator. Hmm. And so, for me, <clears throat> working with clay, it's like um, it's just this constant reminder of where we came from. First of all, like we are clay, hmm. and and when when the Bible talks about how um, you know, talks about God being our potter, that's true on, on so many levels. But, I mean, at the basic level, we came from 
from the dirt. Hmm. And yet God made something beautiful out of us. And so, you know, I'm holding this beautiful mug here who, by the way, I don't know who made this, but it's it's lovely. And it's made out of clay. And when, you know, when that first person who looked at that dirt and said, hey, I, I think I could make something cool out of that, that's why it's so intriguing to me because most people look at dirt and they're like, that's just dirt. Right. And so one of the things about clay... And, and about the whole pottery making process that is so appealing to me and has always been is that it's that ability to see something that everybody else just looks and says that's dirt and you're like no that's actually this beautiful vase or mug or whatever you know and so it's calling the beauty out of that worthless lump of of clay that everybody else is seeing and I think that was also, um, that's kind of, the that's been the theme of our time in, in, in YWAM as well. Like, God's always been calling us to call out the beauty in, in people um, that other people might look at and say, there's no, there's no hope for this person. Why are you even bothering? And we're like, no, don't you see the beautiful piece of art in there yeah that's good um the mug you're drinking out of is from mexico our friend uh former staff member at wyman honolulu anna el deco uh brought that back from jess my wife and that's her her favorite mug and i'm drinking out of one of your mugs actually (laughs) the wyman nashville mug uh jess taught it at the wyman nashville base in their bcc and this was in her gift bag oh cool yeah pretty cool pretty cool stuff (laughs) Um, yeah, let's talk about the, the process of, um, of pottery. You mentioned glazing. Mm-hmm. I guess this is something that I, I, I don't know anything about pottery at all. So <laughs> what, what would you say are the stages of, of pottery? Well, um, when, when I worked with Steve and Jane out in Kansas, we actually would go out and, and dig our own clay, which, um, now... I must confess, I, I go to this place in Nashville that uh, I can just buy pre-made, like they, they've already done all, all of the work and it's just ready to ready to throw. So, oh, and I should I should explain, when I say throw, I, I'm, I'm not talking about throwing something across the room, but that is the term for making something out of clay on, on the wheel, it's called throwing. Okay. So, um, we, yeah, we would go out and we would dig clay and and the place where where we would get it was just this uh it was kind of like this pasture or it's a pasture now for for cows uh but back in the day this brick company would uh come out and they would get clay for for their their bricks but then when it got to a point where i guess they had harvested as much of that particular type of clay as they could get from their they um you know somebody came in and bought that land for pasture for their cattle so um yeah once again people would drive by there and just think it's just a a field full of dirt right and when we would go out there um we would wait until it was it was pretty dry um so it, it was it was cracked dry 
looked like like if you envision clay this is like the furthest thing from that picture um so but it's much easier to to dig up when it's when it's dry like that you just scoop off the top layer and and, and you're good to go and so we would grind that up and uh, screen out all of the impurities um, and then add water and then that's when things really start transforming and it's no longer this dry crumble crumbly earth but it's it's become clay now and we take it through some more screening processes just getting all of the other dirt and grass and cow pies whatever else might might be in there right and uh so when when the clay is finally uh to a point where um it's got all that stuff out um then we would uh put it in in this this is kind of this complicated uh <laughs> structure we'd, we'd put it in made of bed sheets and bricks okay. and, but basically um we'd we'd layer we'd layer these uh sheets on top of each other with the wet clay folded in there and then put bricks on the bricks would absorb the moisture and then the clay would be uh ready to use okay and so um yeah so then then we throw on on the wheel and a lot of times people people will ask me you know when you sit down at the wheel do you know what you're going to make or does, does it just kind of happen um and i usually know like i usually have a specific purpose in mind um there are some times when you know plans will change sure. in there or sometimes the the clay will not cooperate and so i'll i'll make something different out of it but for the most part i've got something specific in mind for for that piece of clay and after it's dried then um you know it, it needs to dry completely because if we put it into the kiln when it's still wet that moisture um you know when when water gets hot it it uh, boils and it, it it turns into steam and so if it if it heats up too fast and it's still kind of wet um it could explode i've had that happen it's not it's not fun so <laughs> um so we we fire each of our pieces twice so the first time uh we fire to about um between 18 and 1900 de degrees fahrenheit wow which is it's pretty toasty yeah um but that changes the chemical makeup of of the clay it's no longer clay but it is um it's called bisqueware at that point and then we'll add the glaze and so there are different methods of of uh of uh, applying the glaze we we usually dip our pots in in the glaze and so glaze is just made up of different minerals and sand actually um, but different minerals and and things that add color to that sand and it's mixed in water so all of the stuff is suspended in water and when we dip the the bisqueware in there it sucks up all of the moisture and then it's just left with like this powder on the outside this powdery coating on the outside when we fire it again this time to around 2200 degrees 
that sand and stuff melts into a glass coating. And so, like, that mug that you're holding there, for example, or this mug with the glaze here around the top, um, the, the shiny coating there is actually glass mm, that's wow. melted to the surface. And all of the colorants in there are just um, additives that we've added to those glazes to make those nice colors. Mm. So is the glaze just for aesthetic purposes then, or is there another reason for it as well? Uh, it is, it's definitely an aesthetic thing, but it's also very practical. Um, if you just had, like for instance, this one is only glazed down to here, so this you have the natural clay down here, um, which is still kind of porous. Mm -hmm. And so if you put coffee, like if this was totally unglazed and you put coffee in here, uh, some, some of that coffee would actually soak into to the pot and it would potentially grow fungus and all sorts of bad things. So, um, yeah, once again, I don't know when people actually started uh, adding glaze. Um, but when, when that happened, like, um, th there was a lot of lead, for example. Lead was used because of just its uh its melting qualities and and such but we know now that that is not <laughs> good for you at all and so people will always ask me is there any lead in your glazes and i'm like no like people people don't do that anymore right. um I, sp I suppose there are some glazes uh that that some people still use that have lead because you can get certain uh certain colors and, and stuff with lead-based glazes that you mm -hmm. can't get with anything else, but they won't be used for right. food. Like, that's not food safe. Right, right. So, yeah, it, it serves a practical purpose. Um, it, it keeps any bacteria or whatever from being able to grow hmm. in there. And then just talking about getting clay out of the ground, people kind of talk about the Tennessee soil here being red clay. Is, mm -hmm. is there actual literal clay or is that just kind of something people are saying in our soil here no there's there's definitely clay around here and um it's actually really easy i'll give you a simple test if you go out and you see something that you think looks like clay just um you know dig some up and add some water if it's not already wet and just start rolling it in your hands and if you can make a like a coil like a snake type shape out of that and it's clay huh. because just regular dirt isn't going to do that it'll it'll crumble up but right. um so yeah uh there's definitely lots of clay around here and one of these days i i would actually like to do some experimentation with uh with some of the local clay yeah i think that would be cool so you said you're picking up uh clay ready to go in nashville what mm -hmm. is it coming in uh like a powdered state I, I mean no. I, what no I mean the really cool thing about it is that they they do all that work okay and so I I get these they they are um, actual like cubes of moist clay okay that um, they're 25 pound blocks and so two of them come in a box so a 50 pound box uh, and I I normally use around a pound for for a, a mug hmm. um, once you add a, a handle and stuff it's it's a little more than that so 
you know, you imagine you can get, uh, you know, close to 50 mugs out of out of a box of clay. Nice. Pretty, pretty good deal. Nice. Um, let's talk about the highlight of all your time in ministry. Can Is there one thing that comes to your mind that you would say is a highlight? I was afraid you were going to ask me that. <laughs> um, there have just been, there have been a lot of cool things, but one one of the one of the coolest things from from these past twelve years, um, being being in YOM, um, one of the coolest stories I can remember, and it's actually from that DTS that that we mentioned earlier that Tim Tim was in. Um, we went to Mexico for that, uh, for that outreach and we were traveling around a a lot during that time, going to different towns, different villages and stuff. But this one, uh, this one place we were in, um, we were working with this pastor, um, his, his church and this, this one day he was just, he was watching all of these young people on our team working together on this project and he asked us what what church we were from what 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 denomination mm-hmm. and we were explaining to him we were like well we're actually not from any particular de- denomination these these kids are from from all over the United States um, but they're also from lots of different uh, de- denominational backgrounds and stuff and he he started getting just really emotional like like tears coming to his eyes and he said that he can't even get um other pastors from the same his same denomination in his town to work together and so to see these people from all these different denominational backgrounds working together was just so impactful to him and I remember at that point thinking, this this is the kingdom, like this is what it's all about. And so, that's been really one of my highlights um, in 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 our time working with YWAM, being being you know working side by side with people that I I don't even know that to this day I'd be able to tell you what their denominational uh, affiliation mm-hmm. is, but that wasn't. That wasn't the point. Like right. that wasn't our focus. Our focus was we are all working t- t- together because we're all followers of Jesus. In you know, it's like it's like Paul talked about. Um, you say that that you follow uh, uh, Apollos, and you say you follow Paul. But w- what's Apollo? Who, who's Apollos? Right. Who's Paul? And I feel like there's just so much of that going on. Like people talk about their their favorite um, authors or their favorite bloggers, whatever, right. favorite podcasts, right. <laughs> but it's not about it's not about that, um, and that's been one of my, uh, I guess, also one of my my biggest struggles has been seeing, especially now with social media just being ridiculous like and we could probably talk for weeks about that right but um it just breaks my heart to see people focusing on all the wrong things Mm. jesus 
prayed, like one of his last acts on earth, when he is facing an excruciating death in less than you know 24 hours, he's there praying for his, his followers, not just those who are with him then, but he's praying for us right. who will come to, to believe in him through their testimony. He's praying for us, and his biggest prayer is that we would that we would all be one. Mm. And and I'm thinking, okay, can we just get that one right? Like, then we can start talking about all the other things we we want to do. Mm-hmm. If we can't even get that one right, then what's the point? So anyway, sorry, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox now. Um, but that yeah, so that was that was probably. Uh, I'll always remember that that moment because to me that showed this is what the kingdom work is all about. It's hmm. good. You kind of already talked about that highlight also being your biggest struggle. Is there any other struggles that you've really encountered in ministry and how do you feel like you've overcome those? Yeah. Um, there was a point early on in our time with YOM. I, I prayed this dangerous prayer. <laughs> Might have been, even been stupid. <laughs> but I remember saying, Lord, give me your heart for these people. Mm. And he did. And I remember there was actually a point where I was like, okay, Lord, I take it back. <laughs> like, I, I can't handle it. Because, and, and I know that he only gave me just a glimpse of his heart. But it was like, there were times when I felt it was crushing and because you know we um, we can pour ourselves out and we can we can love people but at the end of the day they they need to choose whether they're going to receive that or whether they're going to you know walk in in the things that that god has for them because god's dreams for us are always bigger than than our own dreams and some people will be like yes lord i i believe that that you can do this some people are like are you kidding i don't i don't want that Hmm. and and so um for me the 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 biggest struggle has always been when when i see people walk walking away um or not choosing to walk to walk in the fullness of what god has for them um and i guess the way that i have overcome that i don't know if i've overcome it i'm i'm maybe i'm overcoming it but um this might sound strange but there was actually a a switch foot song um that that great sage uh john foreman he he wrote these lyrics that just um really grabbed hold of my heart um and it's just simply this it says if it doesn't break your heart it isn't love Hmm. and during that that time when i was listening to this and i was going through a time where i was I felt like my heart was being being crushed and I felt like God was just asking me is it is it worth it? And I was like yes, <laughs> of course like of course it's worth it. 
Because the alternative is to shut yourself off right. to to other people and, and to not feel. And then that is just, that's no, no way to live. And so, yeah, like I said, I, I don't know that I've overcome it, but I'm, I'm overcoming it. Or, like, I know what the answer is. The answer is, yeah, it's worth it. And we just need to keep loving people. And, but it doesn't make it feel any better. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm a feeler. Mm-hmm. I'm an extreme feeler. And so I need to constantly be telling myself that my feelings don't necessarily um, reflect re- reality. <laughs> and, and I also have to trust that even those people that it seems like they've completely rejected god's call on them like god's still pursuing them yeah. it's not up to me because right. I, th- I think i used to have this superman complex and uh i think of the the old uh 1978 uh 1979 uh, superman movie christopher reeve and when when clark kent is is a teenager and his adopted father jonathan kent dies and and clark says you know, had all these powers, and I, I couldn't save him, huh. and, and I remember this, this one moment in our, our time, uh, again, in, in the, in the early years there at, at YWAM Nashville, I remember that scene just coming to my mind so clearly one day, because I was, I was feeling that, like, I've done, I've done all this stuff, and I couldn't save him, and huh. God's like, yeah, it's not really your job. <laughs> That's good. That's good. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Brooke Gaiman, and I'm Jim Baker, your host for Doing Ministry Well. If you haven't checked out the new doingministrywell.com website, check it out. We chose Swissco to do our overhaul and are so happy with the results. Swissco makes ministry websites beautiful and hassle-free. Schedule a free consultation today at swissco.us. Hi, this is Brian Ensminger. If you enjoyed doing ministry well, we'd really appreciate it if you'd check out the Engaging Missions show, where we deliver God's stories to your earbuds. You can find us at engagingmissions.com. If you've enjoyed this episode of Doing Ministry Well, you can help us out by rating, commenting, and subscribing on iTunes and sharing this podcast with your friends. Check out the podcast notes to find out more about today's guests and other resources. And if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions on who we should interview next, contact us at doingministrywell.com. If you'd like to find out more about me, your host, visit my blog at jimjessbaker.com. That's jimjess, as in Jessica, baker.com.